Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us tonight on Sweet Liberty. Today is Wednesday, the 29th of March in the year 2006. And Alan was with us this evening, uh, of course. Our spiritual message, once again, is from A Course in Miracles from the workbook, page 77. A, qu a quote. It says, The presence of fear is a sure sign that you are trusting in your own strength. Something to remember is something for me to remember. The presence of fear is a sure sign that you are trusting in your own strength. Well, it is. It's within us, isn't it, folks? It is ours. And it is our courage. And it is our strength. And I realized that not long after Chuck passed away, but when I was asking in prayer to give me courage and strength to go on, and then I realized I, I have it. I have everything I need. But we have to recognize it. We have to acknowledge that and know it and then hang on to it for your life. Alan, thanks for being here tonight. Yeah, it's a pleasure, yeah. You caught me not at a real good time. <laughs> not at a good time, me. When you called me earlier. Oh, yeah. I'm sitting there going through those emails, and it's, uh, it's so sad. The, the propaganda and all, well, as I mentioned to you, somebody sent me an email, and I clicked on it, and it was photographs of a, a rally uh, that was being held, evidently in Mexico. I, I think that's where it was. But these were, um, the majority of them were young people, and they were very nicely dressed in all the photographs, very neat, clean looking. Uh, they had big banners, big signs. Uh, this is our continent. And we are not Latinos, we are not Hispanics, we are Mexicans. And our land was stolen from us. And they said thousands, you know, turned out. They had a big march and they had uh, evidently, cause there were photographs of people who came up to read their signs and, and that, that they were presenting the information they were presenting. So... They're rallying and riling up people in Mexico. Yeah. And, of course, these young people. And when I say young, I'm not talking teenagers, but you could see that at least a lot of them were in their 20s and 30s. But they have been riled up. Mm -hmm. And I, I put myself in their place. And I think, you know what? Mm -hmm. If I knew history... As I know it now, I mean, what I know of it so far, it is true that their land, not their land, but the land that was once Mexico, uh -huh. was stolen by the U.S. Mm -hmm. It was literally stolen. Yeah. And, you know, think about it. That was another good reason for the war of northern aggression. Mm -hmm. It was a good reason for it because they had their... They had their army, mm -hmm. and they started sending them there. They started sending them, you know, out west and yeah. setting up their forts and doing all this. And even 
even the uh, southern troops, uh, if they pledged their allegiance to the Union, were able to join the army. Yeah. But I've read a lot about that, Alan, and mm-hmm. it's true. Well, That's yeah. Mm-hmm. But then when you look back at the, that whole scene, mm-hmm. you see how, for example, the war between the states. Mm-hmm. How, how much these creatures accomplished by that war. So many things. Mm-hmm. Yep. But what's happening today was laid out all that long ago. Yes, it was. I mean, divide and conquer is the old story. Yeah. And then, of course, um, people forget that the free trade movement has been on the go for an awful long time, long before it was announced to the public. Uh, the the, the, the um, Royal Institute of International Affairs in Britain uh, had had published books on the, on ultimately the unification of the Americas and the unification of Europe, etc. And then the Council on Foreign Relations went into motion, working towards this great plan. You see, and the public really didn't hear about um, a free trade for the Americas till about the, the, the 1980s with the, the free trade agreement, which really is the big one. It's more really important than NAFTA. And in there has got the free movement of, of goods and labor between nations without impediment. That was when? No, that was in the 1980s. Oh, God. The, the free trade uh, negotiations. That was written into it right there and then. And, of course, that was already in the British uh, charters of the Commonwealth, the British Commonwealth countries. From the time that the Rothschilds took over, they had... Uh, they had um, it talks about free trade between nations belonging to the empire and no impediment to to trade or labor, skilled or otherwise, as needed. So it's the same agenda that's gone going. We're blaming the effects of this on the people that are moving in rather than the cause of it, and that's typical. You see, um, uh, Jack, remember... It's because they don't know. They don't know, no. And I... And... So many of us wouldn't know so much of what we... The bigger picture. Yeah. See, I was beginning to learn a lot about recent, more recent history. Mm-hmm. The last hundred, couple hundred years. Yeah. But I didn't have the whole picture. Yeah. I didn't have the big picture. Mm-hmm. You gave us the big picture, Alan. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's, um, it's old, really. I mean, the first uh, time this was voiced and written down... And any governmental papers was in the 1500s in in, in Britain, uh, when John Dee went to Queen Elizabeth I, and and he uh, he coined the term uh, we shall create a we could create a British I mean a British Empire. He spelt it with a B R Y, British Empire, and he said uh, to consolidate our, our rule over the world. And it was to be done through trading blocks, setting up of trading blocks, and then they would all share the common monetary currencies, etc., the same rules, regulations. In other words, they standardize the same system worldwide. Now it's called democracy, of course. And uh, and the same bankers would run the, the, the money side of it, and the same uh, higher-up brotherhoods of the nobility would run the economic side, the, the law side of it, legal side of it. So that was the 1500s, you know. Yeah, I think I told you this, speaking about England way back then. Uh-huh. 
I was watching a bio on Queen Elizabeth, the first Queen Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And actually, it was sort of like done as a uh, docudrama, I think they call them. Yeah. Uh-huh. But when she came, uh, when she came to the throne, mm-hmm. they said that the treasury was literally there. Oh yeah. And 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 these people, her handlers, uh-huh. they introduced her to this man and said he's going to be the new whatever they called it of the treasury. Mm-hmm. And the name that they named mm-hmm. was not a British name. Mm-hmm. It was a foreign name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, well, that's how they get a hold of the crown. Well, you, you could understand. No, they, they get control of the treasury. Yeah, but yeah I, I think actually they were brought in for their purpose because they understand this system. And uh, Queen Elizabeth I, I mean, they always talk about the Spanish Armada, you see, attacking England. Uh, but what they don't tell you, but it is in the old history books, that after the battles were over uh, between the British fleet and, and really British privateers, like like um, Francis Drake and so on, uh, was that afterwards all the people they'd script, uh, conscripted, and they'd had conscription then to do this, uh, and, and press ganged into this, the quick navy that they, they, they drew up, um, they, they had no money to, to pay them. So after the battles, it was ordered by Queen Elizabeth I to leave them at sea, anchored off the coast. And these are the days where guys couldn't swim. No, very few people could swim. And uh, and they waited until plague and famine broke out amongst them. And they had another ship going round them all, taking reports of how many were dead or dying. And once they were, most of them were killed off, um, they simply drew the boats back into harbour after dumping off the bodies because they didn't want to pay them any money for what they'd done. That's that's the reality of the people who ruled the world then, yes. and, and their descendants uh, are still running the it. World uh-huh. Since time immemorial, almost. Yes, exactly. Uh, that's the whole point. Yeah, and of course, getting back to to the, to the I was surprised this the, today. You just scan through or skim through the the shortwave stations for for ten minutes. And it's so strange that every station you listen to has got the same reports on about these illegal aliens coming into the country, as though that's the only topic they have to talk about, which tells me there's a coordination between them all. Well, sure, but how are they reporting it, Alan? Uh, well, they're blaming the immigrants, of course. They, as I say, they're blaming the effects and not the cause. And and it's to stir up a racial hatred. They want uh, internal strife to get all their laws uh, put into motion. But you know what? You know what they, of course, what they leave out. Uh-huh. The laws. Yeah. I mean, the U.S. has been sued mm-hmm. by Mexico for not providing drinking water mm-hmm. at the places where the Mexicans are coming in. I know, but this, this is all to agitate the people in America. I know it is. That's what it's for. It's a deliberate agitation uh, to, to create the racial strife because um, this, again, is an old trick. Britain did it in India. India at one time was it was a conglomerate of small independent little princedoms. And, and the, the British East India Company went in, and, and in no time at all, they had armed different factions, had them all fighting each other. Then they came in to give them the solution, which was unification. <laughs> And peace, you see. So they're doing this. They're building up to the same thing again today, uh, for a unification of the Americas. Um, they've already signed it into law last March. Remember when Bush and and uh, Paul Martin and yeah. Uh, so uh, the way they they the way they build it was we're expanding our borders. <laughs> yeah. And people think, oh, uh-huh. 
Canada's going to be part of Mexico. That's right. Canada's going to be part of America. Mm -hmm. And then a reporter for, for the Global News in Canada stood up right there at Waco where the meeting was held, and, and he said, this sounds awfully like the, the European unification. Oh. And he says, is that what it is? And then uh, Paul Martin for Canada jumped in, and he said, well, it's not quite the big bang, but, and, and then he floundered a bit. Uh, he's trying to say, well, it's not the full thing. Um, and, but then George Bush stepped in and got carried away. And, and he, he was all excited and said, well, what's wrong with, with the free trade and free this and free that and, and uh, sort of amalgamation, basically. And uh, not in that word, but that's what he meant. And this is the old plan that's come down from the 1500s. It was reiterated by the Cecil Rhodes Foundation uh, that, that was set up with Lord Rothschild as a founding member to create a British-styled empire across the world under democracy, under the same uh, central banking system and, and with free trade areas. Anyone who wouldn't join the free trade areas since the 1500s in Britain has been shunned. Uh, in other words, you're not allowed to trade with, with the, the Commonwealth. That's, that's how they blackmailed uh, the little countries into well, joining. Uh, in our, uh, at sweetliberty.org in the section How Wars Are Made Behind the Scenes, uh, we've put quite a bit, a bit of stuff in there uh, try, in chronological order. But on the Second World War, out of the book that I have called Voices of History, and, and this was for the year 1941, um, they, had, they were important speeches and documents, and they had... I mean, that grandpa... Okay, he's done. Uh, they had the, um, the final... Uh, if you would call it offer by the U.S. to Japan for peace is it that the, the, the agreement that they wanted Japan to agree to and in there you talk about trade Alan yeah that was a biggie oh yeah it had to be access mm -hmm. be access yeah that's what Japan had to agree to uh huh yeah and of course it was an agreement that they knew Japan could not accept, would not accept. Mm -hmm. Of course, that was all part of the program, too, wasn't it? Exactly. In fact, there's so much on that because America Japan tried to stay isolated. The only ones, mind you, who had been in there for a long time were the Jesuits. And they had a going concern in goods and, and, um, and stuff from Japan. But uh, the U.S. Navy sent a warship in to force Japan to trade you know, mm -hmm. and that started off the whole thing. Then Japan thought, well, we were so far behind Europe. How do we catch up? Then they sent a delegation over to the United States to try and get bank loans. And um, they met with Mr. Baruch, the great Mr. Baruch. Bernard Baruch. That's mm -hmm. And there's a book called The, the Fugu Plan, F-U-G-U. And it's written by a rabbi, Rabbi Tokaya who's Japanese Jew, living in New York. And he goes through this whole plan, how it was set up, how Baruch financed the Japanese on condition, and that they build up their military, their naval ships, and so on, and attack China. That's all documented in the plan. Uh, and then, then, of course, they built up uh, Japan for World War II. And, of course, the communists that had flowed into China uh -huh. were flowing into Japan. Uh-huh, yeah. 
and Japan was trying to uh, protect its borders from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. I, I wanted to say one thing back about what you were talking about mm-hmm. uh, last March. Uh-huh. Uh, the one thing I, I made a note so I wouldn't forget, I remember in one of the newspaper articles, they referred to it, this merging, uh-huh. that a continent was restructured in an afternoon. Yes. And yes. that was Vincente Fox and mm-hmm. Bush and... Yeah. Well, the, 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 the comical thing is, I don't know if people realize how much bureaucratic uh, legwork went into all of that long before Bush and Fox and Martin met together. These guys were just meeting oh, well, to... Oh, they just rubber stamped that agreement uh, that was already... <laughs> yep, right, yes. That's it. Of yeah, they didn't okay. sit and make all you know about five or six hundred pages up in an afternoon. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> well, like like George Bush uh, in an afternoon, uh, you know, after nine one one, came out with all the plans for the war and mm-hmm. and uh, the Homeland Security Department and all that. He gets yeah. off Air Force One. Uh-huh. All the plans are ready. Well, he's a genius, you see. He just doesn't show it. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's right. Okay, well, one of the things, too, that you brought to our attention was that that, that thing was taking place at the time Terry Schiavo yeah. was on national and, quote, international news. Yeah. So everybody's mind was diverted attention was diverted from what was going on. Yes. Uh-huh. Now, one thing that I'm not, uh, I don't know about is that Japanese-Russian war. Mm-hmm. How did and why did they orchestrate that, Alan? The, 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 and when was that time frame, kind of? That was uh, just, just uh, uh, after the, uh, and during, actually, really, but the, the First World War. And the idea was to was was oh. to it was actually before just before the second revolution in Russia. The first one was 1905. Next one was 1917. Yeah. And uh, it was to get the Japanese to attack the eastern side of Russia, and forcing the Tsar to to tax the people to get railroads for supplies and military down through the right to the east. And that really was to help foment the the anger amongst the people who were being taxed to death. And, if, and you know, and help the revolution get underway. That was okay, one of the reasons for. Too. Did Japan go attack Russia? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What was the the ostensible reason mm-hmm. that they gave the people for this? Um, Why was Japan going to a, the people? Attack? The people of Japan at that time didn't need a reason because it was a such a patriarchal system of just you follow and do what you're told. So the so the Japanese did what they were told, you know. But they all, never even said why. They didn't really have to in Japan. They had this uh, bushido code and the Japanese warrior stuff and and nobility. They'd never known uh, voting or anything like that. It was just follow. Well, let's say then that mm-hmm. students of history. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are they given? What reasons are they given? for that war? Well, they're generally in the, in the very thin, I call them the thin school books. <laughs> in the very thin school books, especially the modern ones, they'll say, well, there were certain territories and islands that, that uh, were technically owned by Russia uh, over over time, and the Japanese wanted to expand. That's what they're told. 
and so conflict came came between the two countries and I see. the usual. Okay, uh, go ahead just for a minute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let the Alan. You're mm -hmm. only going to be with us till about 20 till. Yes. Uh -huh. I want our listeners to know this. Mm -hmm. uh, he's been invited. I have to go let them out. You tell them about it. Uh -huh. Tell them how they can hear you. I'm going to go let these girls out so they can chase the critters out of the yard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was last night, uh, five to nine, just before I went on the show with Jackie, someone phoned me um, and just asked if I'd go on the show. And I've, I was trying to remember afterwards who exactly it was who'd called. Uh, but it's, I, I believe, I hope it is anyway, it's, it's called Roly um, James Show. And that's found on the net at www.roly.net, which is R O L L Y E dot net. R O L L Y E dot net. And uh, it's, it's on satellite as well. And it's uh, also on a lot of AM and FM stations across the U.S. Albuquerque, Gulfport, Charleston, Cleveland, Columbia, etc. On a whole bunch of AM and FM stations. And so I'll be getting a call at quarter to ten. And I'll have to go off the, the air with Jackie earlier to, to get that call coming in. And I'll be on for three hours uh, till one in the morning. So this is a, a marathon tonight uh, beginning at nine. Uh, and then after this for another three hours. Um, so I hope those who are are listening to the show uh, can tune in. Uh, I know that the the it's an XM satellite, I believe, one six five. Um, and what, Alan? Yeah, I was mentioning that it's XM satellite one six five. I think it's called. Okay, I don't know anything about that, but maybe our listeners do. I have no clue either. <laughs> Yeah, me neither. But uh, as I say, it's on www.roly, R-O-L-L-Y-E, dot net at, at uh, 10 p.m. That's okay. Eastern Time. Yep. So you're copping out on us so you can get your breath. Uh-huh. Make yourself a pot of tea or something, Alan. And, and go to the washroom, yep. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And and get ready for, uh, for three hours. So it's a, it seems to be a lot of stations. It's a wonderful opportunity to wake up some people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it is. I was just thinking today as I watched this uh, uh, manufactured clouds being, being made right above my head, uh, the mess we're living in, uh, and all this this stuff that you started with, you were telling me earlier about this thing going around the Internet. On yeah, and I'll tell our listeners about that. Uh-huh. After you leave us. Yeah, because it's, it's such that every, right now there's so much fear and terror of, of either natural disasters or whatever coming our way. Meanwhile, people can't even look above their heads and see this mush that's been poured down upon them through the jets. And uh, yesterday we got a, a, a video clip right here um, of a jet going across and they had a zoom lens on it and you see these two huge tanks underneath the wings actually they're in front of the wings separate from the wings they were not the engines and they're like two round big round tanks massive things and this thing was just spraying right across the sky this is happening every day everywhere I had calls from Quebec today you see this video clip? pardon? where did you see this video clip? Uh, we, I made it at the back uh, here, right? 
I made it out the back here, or Jason did. He, he took the shot right outside my home. Oh, Jason, okay. Yeah, right outside my home, yeah. Stop. Mm-hmm. And... Actually, see... The, the, the tanks on the wind. Yes, a good uh, he had a good zoom on this uh, on this video, and could see the, these huge huge tanks actually jutting in front of the wings. Whatever held them on must have been very very slender, but they were definitely not the engines. Uh, they were separate. They were I've never seen anything like it. And this is what's going over the skies all across America and Canada. Uh, at the moment uh, and whatever they're spraying on us is, is, is of no good to us because no one in the, in the main media is going to even touch this meanwhile they've got us looking for catastrophes there was one report in the newspapers today oh my god if an, an earthquake hits Tokyo so many thousands will die I mean this is all fear mongering while we don't look up at the sky you know it's all diversion uh, it's just amazing the terror and fear they're putting out there to keep us uh, confused, anxious, while they literally poison us from above. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing techniques. I mean, meanwhile, they won't even mention this to the public, what's happening. Well, Alan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. Are you wondering why not? Oh, it's a big puzzle. Right. <laughs> yeah, watch this hand, but don't watch that hand. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this stuff doesn't bode well for anyone. Uh, I could taste the stuff this evening outside. Could it, you really? it, it was so thick. It was a, it was a, a definite. Uh, there's a sweetness to it as well, but it's definitely a chemical taste. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is dumped on us on a daily basis. We don't have to speculate about it. We can see it happening. Yeah, what a wonderful world. Yeah. Yeah. But getting back to that free trade deal, um, people should read the book uh, Millennium by Jack Zatali, who was the Kissinger for Europe, for France. And he was the main advisor to a whole bunch of presidents uh, in the United Nations. And in his book called Millennium, he goes through the whole takedown process of the borders for America. That book is out of print. Uh-huh. And our listeners should know they possibly could find it at ABE Books. Uh-huh. Because that's where I found my copy. And you know I can't find my book, Alan. Oh. It's such a little book. I think it was a red book. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's such a little one. And I probably put it someplace where I could find it easily. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And I can't find it. Jacques Atali. Yeah. J-A-C-Q-U-E-S. Mm-hmm. And then it's A-T-A-L-L-I, or is it a double T? I think it's double T, yeah. Mm-hmm. T-T-A-I. Mm-hmm. It's a, it, folks, it, it, it's, a, it's an awesome, just, it's an awesome read. It's a small book. Mm-hmm. And even the intro to it, wasn't it, uh, was it... Newt Gingrich, who did the... No. Who did the... Uh, there was a Francois Mitterrand, a whole bunch of them, the presidents of France. Yeah, but, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Um, the subtitle of that is Winners and Losers in the... New World Order. Yeah. New World Order. Mm-hmm. And he said that the majority of the people will be like boat people. Mm-hmm. He said the next boat people in the world will be Americans leaving in little boats looking for work abroad. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. And those who are winners, mm-hmm. he actually said that they will yearn mm-hmm. for, you know, the the, the, the neighbors, the, the home. in other words, mm-hmm. the way things used to be. All right, we're back with Alan Watts, folks. Alan's going to be with us for another 10 minutes, and then he's going to go to get prepared to do a three-hour marathon. And I'm glad you're doing that, Alan. I think it's... When you're doing a, a broadcast like that, mm-hmm. when you're on AM and FM, yeah, are you careful about what you say, or do you just use the opportunity to get it all out? I just get it all out because we don't have... Uh, we, we can't dance around anymore. Yeah. Uh, we've watched the dancing happen for so long that we're almost over the brink here. Yeah. Uh, and there's no time to be so, you know, um, wishy-washy about... Well, when you're presenting facts, you don't have to be wishy-washy. Right. Yeah. And as long as you have the facts there and you can point them what to read by the guys who are helping to do all this and bringing it about, well, that's all the proof you need, you know. Yeah. These people don't print stuff uh, just for the fun of it. Uh, when the Brzezinski's of this world publish the books and tell you what they're going to do to you, yeah. you, you can take them pretty well at their word they're going to do oh, it. Well, Alan, you know something I noticed about that book, Between Two Ages? Mm-hmm. He writes it yeah. as though what's happening is just a matter of course. In other yeah. words, it's happening. It's, it's called... Uh, uh, I think three times in the first nine pages. Uh-huh the force behind it, uh-huh. the force that is molding it. That's right. But he, but somebody could read that mm-hmm. and just think it's that it's a... An evolution. Yeah. An ev- right, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even though he's telling so much, yeah. he's telling it almost in some ways like he's concerned about it. Yeah, well, yeah, he has to. That, that's so that when we see the things actually happening, uh, we'll never believe that nasty people could have, could have done it deliberately. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the technique that they use. But they publish it. And then, then other writers like, like Bertrand Russell, Lord, the Lord Bertrand Russell, who put out a whole stack of books for the Royal Institute of International Affairs and the scientific community talking about a world run by experts and there'll be no uh, right of choice in anything with the individual anymore. It's just too inefficient. I mean, well, they, if, you, if you can't think for yourself, you have no choices anyway. That's right. But when they talk, when they literally use the term mm-hmm. biochemical yep. manipulation of the brain, yep. mm-hmm. that would mm-hmm. not be ta- should not be taken lightly. Yes, when, uh, they, say, when they say biochemical, mm-hmm. they're talking about biological and uh-huh. chemicals, right? Chemical and also psychotronic. The Brzezinski that pushes the the harp type e- EMP pulsations. Uh, it's all of the uh, the thing these things. Right. And that's uh, that's for peace on the planet, you see. When you can't think, there'll be peace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they, they published all, their, all their, their agenda, their protocols, you might say. And the public, even though, you know, you tell them to read it, they'd rather listen to Art Bell and the men on Mars. It's a sad state of affairs in this great age of confusion. And a sad state of affairs, in my mind, mm-hmm. is... Like the stuff that I was telling you tonight that I had been reading. Uh-huh. And when you called, I was literally, literally nauseous. Uh-huh. Uh, 
that there are many of our listeners of mm -hmm. Sweet Liberty yep. who fall for this. Mm -hmm. Who fall for the Paul Craig Roberts and the Ken, what the heck's his name? Whatever. Mm -hmm. Paul, Ron Paul, for God's sake. Yeah. Um, was it, was it Sulman, oh, Sulmansky? Yeah. Ken Welch thing that's going around. Mm -hmm. uh, Greg Sulmansky, he's all over the internet. Yeah. And he's a writer uh, also for the American Free Press, which once was the uh, Spotlight. Mm -hmm. And if anybody, if anybody needed to wonder about the Spotlight, mm -hmm. I found out, as you know, mm -hmm. because when. When I first started subscribing to the Spotlight, yeah, uh, I started getting all that political mail from all those phony conservatives. Oh, okay. Alan, I was spending thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. I owned my business at, at the time. Yeah. And I did. I was getting concerned. I was starting to wake up, you know. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, I'd get these letters and say, "Oh, do you know what they've just done in Washington D.C.? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you better send us money so we can." You know, yeah. send this message to a lot more people, mm -hmm. or we're dead. That's I mean, right. Basically, that's what they do to you. Mm -hmm. I couldn't open my mail without getting out my checkbook. Yes, and and the guy who who basically spoke for the spotlight on radio was Tom Valentine. Yeah. And yep. Tom Valentine in the 1960s, when he was a very high Freemason, way above the 33rd degree, when he was a member of the Stella Group. Um, wrote a book himself, and you can find it, you'll, you'll see I'm telling the truth here. It was, it was called Man's Monument to Man, the Great Pyramids. And he goes through all the Masonic folklore uh, that he was completely steeped in. And this is the, the, the High Mason, the International Brotherhood here. Uh, uh, suddenly, he be, he's, he's, he's leading a charge to save America, you know? Right. Who's kidding but, who? You know, he, he did say on the air, somebody called in one time. And was asked and mentioning, you know, the uh, societies, the Mason, the Freemasonry. Yeah. Uh -huh. And Tom and Valentine said, "Oh, well, you know, Freemasonry is really dead now. <laughs> in, in other words, it's just a little boys' club, and they're totally." Uh -huh. Yeah. And even by that statement, anybody who knew mm -hmm. about uh, really understood about Freemasonry was going to know that he was phony. Yeah. Well, they have to cover themselves, but, but uh, the proof is out there because he wrote the book himself, Man's Monument to Man, the Great Pyramids, and he's a member of the Stella Group, the High Masonic Stella Group, when he, he wrote it, and he can't live that down, you know. Mm -hmm. But I should really get off now, Jackie, and, and get ready for, for, for that, that show that's coming up here. I, I think they're calling it quarter two, you know. And you can call any other broadcast a show, but don't call Sweet Liberty a show, okay, Alan? I know. I know, yeah. yeah. I, know. I know. I know I split hairs with words, but... I know. We're, we're so used to it. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> but, but sure. Anyway, the ones who want to tune in can, can do so at about 10. And that was uh, mm -hmm. R-O-L-L-Y-E dot net. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's live streamed from there? Yeah, and it's repeated during the week, too, I believe, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I'm not used to doing this by myself anymore, you know. I uh, know. Yeah. All right. Well, you have just break a leg, Alan. Okay, Doc. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for being here. It's a pleasure. Bye now. Hey, gosh, folks, I almost hung up on you. <laughs> okay. <coughs> Good night, Alan. <laughs>